a lot of times when we think about the patient journey, we kind of almost think about it as an emotion or a feeling. But what I love that you did there is you broke it down by data. So based on that data, that's where you go in and start making changes to the patient journey. Looking at the data will give you like actionable to do items to actually start improving upon this patient journey, right? For example, like if your accepted treatment rate is kind of low, you can. People always are blown away because I always, I always tell people the worst kind of patients are marketing patients. And they're like, Gary, wait, don't you do marketing? And it's like, I do, but they are the worst kind of patients because they just. So what are you telling the people on the phone to, to help them build that rapport? This is kind of a specific example of the type of new patients that we're generating into our practice from marketing is through our. Welcome to another episode of Dental Marketing Go. I'm your host, Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. And today I have Alyssa with me, and she is the marketing coordinator at South County Smiles. And we're going to be talking about something that's really important around growth. It's something that Alyssa has gotten really good at, which is the patient journey. We're going to talk about how to build rapport on that first call, also having clinical handoffs, and what part of the patient journeys you can automate. Stay tuned. All right, Alyssa. So why don't you tell us what the number one thing that you're seeing as the marketing manager for South County Smiles, what are you seeing that's really driving the most growth for you guys right now? Yeah. I would definitely say refining and focusing on, you know, delivering a wow experience. Um, so kind of making sure that, you know, every patient is greeted with like a big smile by like our, our front desk um, and the hygienists are just like going out of their way to give them the best care possible. Um, and, you know, that usually leaves us with raving patients who leave our practice and they're like, you're not going to believe the experience that I had at South County Smiles. Like I had the best hygienist, the, you know, the uh, staff was so friendly. Uh, We found that's been very, very helpful for us for driving new patients into the practice for sure. Absolutely. I would, I would agree. I would say that if you can remove the frictions and the things that the little things get, help them with the the patient with the little things, like, like what you said, like greeting people when they walk through the door. I know it sounds so simple, but if you've ever been to a dental office before, I've walked in and sat down and no one says anything to me. Right. And so those right. kind of things really matter, but how do you actually drive that? Like, th- there's a law, right? You got multiple practices, yeah. you got multiple people working at those practices. How do you actually make sure? How do you even begin to tackle something like that? It seems so big, the whole patient journey. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of um, break it up into different steps when we're looking at like the patient journey, like you you mentioned. Um, and it starts with you know appointing the patient. So that's where you know your marketing is going to start and kind of like generating, you know, the leads into the practice, getting those calls. Um, yeah. And just generating new patients into the practice um, and kind of just looking for any spots throughout the patient journey where patients might kind of like fall through. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're kind of looking at our appointed rate. And then from there, we're looking at our attended rate. So how many of those patients that we actually appointed are actually attending? Um, and then from there, you know, out of those patients who attended, like butts actually in chairs, right? They saw a provider how many of those patients are accepting treatment? Um, and then kind of, you know, in between the um, appointed and ex- accepted treatment, that's where we're looking at like the actual patient experience, like inside of our office. So yeah, that's kind of like the big picture of it for, you know, the entirety of the the patient journey. And then making sure that we kind of deliver that wow experience for them, you know, once they're appointed, they attend and they hopefully accept treatment because we deliver them a wow experience. 
Hey, I got something crazy to share with you, and I'm going to get you right back to the show, I promise. So we have an event called AlignerCon coming up next year, and this month we're giving away a buy one, get one free. We're going to be partnering with Clear Correct, and this is going to be one of the biggest events that we've ever done in Nashville, Tennessee, in the biggest hotel in America. So if you want to come to this, again, we're going to give you a buy one, get one free. We want to meet you in person. Just go to AlignerCon.com, and we're going to teach you how to create, convert, close, and even some clinical components around clear aligners. So don't miss this event. Go check it out now. Back to the show. That's awesome. Yeah, I love what I love about this is that a lot of times when we think about the patient journey, we kind of almost think about it as an emotion or a feeling like we want them to be happy. And it's kind of hard to measure that, right? Like you don't really know. But what I love that you did there is you broke it down by data. So you said, okay, we pointed a hundred and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm misunderstanding this. We, we booked 100 new patients, but uh, 90 showed up. So that's a 90% show, right? right? So that's pretty good. So yep. we don't have to work on that. But uh, only, only 50% of them accepted treatment or whatever, right? Or 30% accepted treatment. That's low for us. So, that, so right. based on that data, that's where you go in and start making changes to yes. the patient journey? Yes, absolutely. And looking at the data will give you like actionable to-do items to actually start improving upon this patient journey, right? So if you have a no-show rate of like maybe 60%, like, you know, that's not so good. So like maybe you might look at your average time from when the patient is actually appointed to when they're actually like have the appointment. Like, is that like one month, two months? Like, are they waiting a long time from when they like made that decision to convert to your practice and become a new patient like in their mind versus two months later to when they actually like get in the chair, maybe, I don't know, something comes up or they found another practice or like their dental problems are just different. Um, so yeah, looking at the data, it'll give you these actionable to do's. And then for example, like if your accepted treatment rate is kind of low, you can look at, you know, well, do we need patient financing options? Um, do we need some, you know, maybe like patient educational materials because we feel like we need to do a better job of educating them on the treatment and maybe that will help us, you know, help them to convert to treatment. So there's a lot of actionable insights and actual to do's that you can get from looking at the data. Um, to help you make decisions and also to help you, you know, start taking the next steps to improve upon this. Because when we say like, oh yeah, we we look at the patient journey, it's like, okay, well, where do I go from there, right? Because it's this massive thing. So yeah, kind of breaking it down in steps, and then each kind of category has you know KPIs in each of those buckets there. So do you do you own the whole thing, or who owns the whole patient journey, or is it kind of split up? So I oversee the whole thing um, with focus on, you know, of course, from like generating, you know, new patients into the practice up until um, probably like attended. Um, And then our um, like admin team lead and our office manager will kind of see the um, attended to accepted treatment part of it. Um, And that kind of goes into, you know, training our clinical staff um, and things like that. So, but I will look at the KPIs because... Yeah, Sorry. you pay attention to the whole thing though. So you're paying because you you're really looking yes. at the end result, but you're owning up to attended. So uh, leading up to attended, what's like the main what's the main what's something that recently that was like the number was bad, but then you went in and fixed it and what you did to fix it? Um so one of the things that we do is we try to make a connection with the patients over the phone and kind of like build that rapport um because what's tough about bringing in new patients, especially from like a marketing source versus a internal referral source, right? Like they're 
friend or family member recommended them to the practice. And I know you talk about this a lot, the power of um, patients that are referred internally versus patients that are referred from your marketing. Like these patients who are coming in from your marketing, like they don't have the same relationship or that same trust. Like, yeah. And I know for me, when I'm looking for a new doctor, a new person to cut my hair, like I start asking friends and family members, I'm like, where do you go? Who do you see? Um, yeah. So one of the things that we do for the marketing patients on the phone is to kind of build that rapport with them because we know that that's kind of like an area we can improve on for those types of patients is building that rapport, building that trust up because they they haven't met us before, right? These new patients that are coming in from like our marketing and advertising. So it's a lot easier to like stand somebody up that you haven't met before, right? You just like saw that, met them online, talked to them on the phone, whatever, versus you know, someone who, oh, my mom goes to this dentist. Like, she, you know, she's had a really good experience there. Like, I know I'm going to have a really good experience there because I've heard testimonials from people that I really yeah. that are in my inner circle. So, um, yeah, people kind always, of building that. Always are blown away because I always, I always tell people the worst kind of patients are marketing patients, and they're like, Gary, wait, don't <laughs> you do marketing? And it's like, I do, but they are the worst kind of patients because they just don't know you yet. So that all those touch points and rapports have to, yeah, they have to be built. So how? Like what are so what are you telling the people on the phone to to help them build that rapport? Um, so kind of to get specific, this is kind of a specific example of the type of new patients that we're generating generating into our practice from marketing is through our implant sales funnel. So we have an implant landing page that um, you know, is sponsored through Google Ads. So if someone searches, you know, dental implants near me, we'll pop up. I'll come to our landing page and it kind of squeezes them down the landing page to make a decision. They fill out a questionnaire. And at the end of the questionnaire, they you know submit their contact details and then we follow back up with them. And those about 20 questions or so that are in the questionnaire before they submit their contact details, we're asking questions like, you know, how many teeth are you missing? Um, and also like types of questions that will like trigger their emotions. Like, you know, what's the number one thing that's been, you know, making you put off treatment? Is mm. it, you know, money, finances? Um, is it time? Is it like anxiety, right? You just don't look forward to going to the dentist. Um, and then we're pulling up those quiz results when we're calling these new mm. patients who submitted interest, right? And we're looking at those quiz results and we're like, hey, I see that, you know, you know you've been putting off treatment because, you know, finance is like, we have, you know, this third party financing company that can really help you out with that. And they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, they're like so blown away that, you know, we took the time to actually look at that information beforehand because now we're almost like starting off a couple s- steps ahead of the game, right? We have this background information on them. Um, and that goes a long way for sure. That goes. So a- that's helped a lot. Yeah. That's huge. So yeah, knowing what their actual problem is, not just dental, right? Like that's what a lot of offices right. do is just like, do you want a dentist or not? You know what I mean? It, like even going to the doctor is like that too. Like I'll go to the doctor and I'm like, I'm really scared about this. And I, I'm scared of the doctor and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, you didn't, yeah, you yeah. didn't really help me. You didn't even try to make me feel better. And then the doctor comes right. in, you know, and there's this disconnect. Um, I, one thing that I know that struggle dental offices struggle with a lot with, uh, with when this happens is they will. So th- even if you do it on the phone, sometimes that doesn't make it to the clinical side. How, how do you, so if someone's like, okay, I'm concerned about financing and I'm, I'm scared of pain. And you're like, oh yeah, our doctors are really good, blah, 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 blah. How do you then get that information over to the clinical side so they know uh, when they come in? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of different places to 
put it in your PMS system, but that's where we're putting it is in our PMS system. So whether it's like a flag in the patient's chart that, you know, the clinical staff is seeing right when they click on their appointment, it's like the first thing that comes up might be like, um, maybe like a social flag. I know a lot of offices do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, you know, going to URI this fall. Um, and then you can kind of like continue to build on that rapport. Um, we're also like downloading those quiz results into like a PDF format and putting that into their document center. Mm. Um, so that way the clinical staff can see that and review that as well. So they can start off where they left off. And then we'll also in the appointment notes, kind of maybe put some notes from the call um, to help that as well. That's a great question because- All, all basic like, stuff, right? It's not like you're like out here, like breaking groundbreaking technology to do this kind of stuff. It's just like, hey, take a couple minutes, attach this to the to their to their charts. But it makes- like that separate that puts you in the top five percent of offices like instantly that number one that you're you're building rapport on the phone but then number two that you're passing that rapport all the way through the whole patient journey yeah absolutely and it requires like good communication throughout the team as well like i know a lot of offices you know push the importance of like doing a morning huddle um so you can kind of get your ducks in a row but also to kind of like talk a little like background like about the patients for these types of things as well and I feel like that goes the extra mile as well. Um, and kind of being coordinated right when you go into like the clinical room and having a good handoff. It, it's like it's like orchestrating, you know, like a band. It's this whole symphony. So yeah, that's really that is really really true. True, like it's it is like a band when it or an orchestra when everybody's working together. It sounds beautiful when everybody's playing their own thing at the beginning when they're warming up. It doesn't sound that great, right? So it's like how right. do we, how do we get everybody working together? What, what else do you uh, do in, in the patient journey that you've seen that brings a lot of success? Um, I would say our, our team culture has been a big focus for us. So um, the last two years, you know, we're proud to have won the Rhode Island's Best Places to Work Award by Providence Business News. And we had those plaques hanging in our office. Um, and a lot of patients will leave us reviews and they're like, you know, I'm so glad I chose this office. I can see why this is a best place to work. And so many patients comment on just the culture and like, they're like, everybody there was smiling and happy. Like, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like to see um, employees in a work environment and they're like actually enjoying each other's company, that kind of like, just like gives them good vibes. You know what I mean? And especially in a place like a dental office where people are kind of on edge, a little bit anxious. If your team members, you know, have a positive demeanor and they're, you know, conversating with their team members in a way that's like really positive, upbeat, and they just look like they're genuinely enjoying working there, like that definitely helps as well. So the culture and having good employee engagement, because, you know, if we treat our team members well, then they're going to be energized and motivated. All right, Alyssa, I totally agree with you. If you don't have happy team members, you're not going to have happy patients. And that is definitely uh, very high on the list of important things that people should do for growing. I would love to pick your brain on any automations that you guys have in your uh, patient journey, especially on the op side. Yeah. So some of the standard things that we're oper um, automating is our new patient paperwork, right? So that gets sent um, in a text, in an email, 15 minutes after the new patient creates their appointment. They fill that out on their phone, their laptop, whatever, and then that automatically gets uploaded into our PMS system. Um, we also can automate our consent forms and those will link to the procedure codes in the appointment. Um, so that way they're getting that consent form before their appointment. You don't have to do it during the appointment, kind of saves a little bit of time there. Same thing automatically goes into the document center. 
Um, and one tool that I found recently, which has been really huge for us, is this software called Cola. Um, mm. And that is owned by co-founder of Weave and um, former chief technology officer, Clint Berry. Um, and uh, I was like doing all this, like I was going down this rabbit hole of trying to connect our PMS system to a CRM, right? And this is a huge like problem that um, people face in small businesses like with dental because like your PMS system doesn't connect to like constant contact or Zapier yeah. or, or like any productivity apps or like any CRMs like HubSpot, Zoho, et cetera. So what Cola will do is kind of act as a connector between your PMS system and all, a lot of those popular productivity apps that I mentioned and wow. like CRMs. Yeah. So what we're Cola? doing. Cola. Yep. Which is Greek for glue. So C-O-L-A, like Coca-Cola? Like like K-O-L-L-A. Okay, got it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And, that, yeah, and, that, and that's and so then been you're, huge. And you're able to then um, use that to integrate a lot of different softwares that you normally wouldn't be able to. And then what PMS do you guys use? We use Dentrix. Okay, perfect. So then now you're attach attaching whatever, a CRM or some kind of software. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And and going back to kind of how we were talking about, you know, the patient journey, having a CRM to manage that patient journey and automatically read our PMS system, you know, using COLA, it's, you know, reading any appoint like important information, like if they scheduled an appointment, because what I had been doing in the past is, you know, kind of have those implant leads being zapped and automated to a Google Sheets. And then I would have to like go into our PMS system, see if they scheduled an appointment and kind of keep up with their journey throughout and if they accept a treatment. But now with having the CRM automatically connected to our PMS system, it's just going to automatically update that for us. So it does a really great job of just like overseeing all those important KPIs and just the whole um, funnel when we're looking at the patient journey. That is so awesome. That is a great way to yeah. end this interview. You did a great job. I really appreciate you coming on, Thank sharing you. sharing your sh sharing your journey and and just what you're working on. And um, it's, it's super helpful to other people. I know other people are going to hear this get inspired and begin to work through what they're doing. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alyssa. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but we got a quick segment for you that's called Ask Gary. And we have some people that have been sending in marketing questions that I think will really help you. If you'd want to send in your question, all you have to do is send in an email to askgary at smcnational.com or you can leave a comment or DM us and we're happy to answer it that way too. So today's question comes in from George and his question is, what does a good marketing budget look like as far as the dollar amount? And if it, this is a really hard question to answer because it really depends on what your goals are. So I'm not going to answer it in dollars, but I'm going to answer it in percentage. Rule number one is never ask a marketing guy, how much should we spend? That is the worst thing you can ask them because they want to spend to the moon, right? Really what you should be looking at is the percentage of your total revenue in marketing budget. So you want to take a percentage. So one to 2% of your total revenue is a really small marketing budget and you're probably not going to grow. So if you make $100,000 in total revenue every single month, 1% of that is going to be $1,000. 2% would be $2,000. Um, if you are going to really want to grow, you have to be above 3% or more to be able to grow. 
And if you want to really see explosive growth, usually that's going to be in that 4 to 7% range. Now, when you get into massive growth or really needing to like add an associate or, or you added a bunch of new operatories that you need to fill or you added new hygienists that you need to fill their schedule, then that's when you get into that like 6 to 10% range. And that's the general range, 1% to 10%, depending on what you're trying to do. Obviously, this is for GP. When you get into like full arch marketing, your budget can be as high as 20% of your total revenue because that's a totally different beast. So hopefully that helps you. 